Mackenzie Mbako will announce his college choice tomorrow on Friday. Where's he going? Let's have the locked on hosts of the two finalists make their case. You are locked on college basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us. Coming up on the show, we are going to look at the case from Mackenzie Mbako from the Kansas side of things, from the Indiana side of things, and then... Well, we know now all the punishments levied against Bob Huggins. We'll unpack that, my thoughts on it. And unfortunately for the Tennessee Volunteers, they are losing a key cog to the transfer portal. Speaking of that portal, Friday's show is going to come out later in the afternoon on Friday. And here's why. Thursday evening, the transfer portal closes basically like at 11.59 Eastern time. And then the news will still trickle out about any remaining transfers. Also, the McKenzie and Baco news is supposed to come out sometime Friday. We don't know when yet. I want to try to capture both of those things on Friday's episode. And so to make sure we do that, I am recording at one central time with CBS Sports College basketball writer Kyle Boone. And hopefully by that point, we'll have the Mbako news as well as any late additions to the transfer portal that we can wrap up and bring that to you as soon as possible. So just want to make you aware of that programming note. All right, let's get into the McKenzie Mbako debates. We'll start with Kansas. We are just a day away from McKenzie Mbako announcing his college decision. We know that a couple schools are out of the mix, St. John's, and surprisingly to me, Louisville. I was kind of in on that being one of the landing spots or the professional route or where we turn first today to Lawrence, Kansas and Bill Self's Jayhawks. And so joining me to unpack the Kansas side of it before we get to the Indiana side of it in a little bit is the host of Locked on Jayhawks, Mr. Derek Johnson. Derek, so great to have you. Here's where I want to start. If McKenzie Mbako comes to Kansas next year, what would it mean for this program in 2023-24? It feels kind of like the cherry on top. Like already Mm -hmm. when you added Hunter Dickinson, which they did, the offseason at that point was a success no matter (laughs) what happens. And that kind of launched them from a spot of, yeah, maybe they'll be like a top seven to ten team before they got him to, okay, they're going to be in the conversation for one of the, you know, top – I don't know, two or three teams in the country, depending on, on different polls that you look. I think Bar Torvik, they went up to number one after the addition of Hunter Dickinson from number nine. Um, so they're kind of in that conversation. You add Mackenzie and Baco, it doesn't necessarily change you from being, oh, you're a national title contender before, now you're still a national title contender. But it's that cherry on top. It's that one extra piece that, you know, just working on the margins. Maybe it is the difference between, you know, getting a one seed versus getting a two seed. Maybe it is the difference between, being, um, you know, a 5% extra chance of making a Final Four winning a title. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but those little things, they add up, especially in March when things are so uh, deadly with it being single elimination. So uh, it would be the cherry on top because they already have a good roster and he would kind of fit in perfectly that you feel like Bill Self typically plays about an eight-man rotation year in and year out. 
And right now you go through, you have your, your four guards with Artario Morris, Dewan Harris, Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake. You have your two big men, Hunter Dickinson, Ernest Duda. You have KJ Adams, who's probably going to start the four. If it's not Mbako, I don't know. We'll get into that here shortly. <laughs> but that gives you seven guys. So who would the eighth guy be? Would it be Marcus Adams? Would it be Chris Johnson, one of the other freshmen? I think you'd immediately figure it'd be Mackenzie Mbako. And it would just kind of seemingly complete the offseason and feel like you have a complete rotation with a player who would be a great fit for this team. You have Hunter Dickinson down low. You're always looking for more shooting. That was a question in the offseason. Well, you added Nick Timberlake. Hunter Dickinson can shoot it from the five-man. Mackenzie Mbako, his scouting report mentions him as being a really good potential three-point shooter. So it'd kind of just be a perfect fit to, to round out the roster. Boy, he is indeed a smooth three-point shooter. I love watching this man pull from outside, but he can get anywhere he wants. So, Derek, you said it, and this is one of my big questions. Obviously, we know that uh, recently, like back on Cinco de Mayo, Zuby Ejiofor entered the transfer portal, is leaving. We know that Jalen Wilson's out, so you're missing some of these forwards. Kevin McCuller, like, it's still kind of in the in the draft right now. We we He still could come back. I doubt it, given what's happened, but we'll wait and see. But here's my big question. You got KJ Adams. You got potentially McKenzie Mbako. I think it's a given that Hunter's going to be the starting five. If McKenzie Mbako decides to come and be that eighth man, as you just talked about, who is the Kansas Jayhawks starting for when we get to the floor for the first time next season? Yeah, and to be clear, and I, I don't think this is what you were saying either, but I, he would be... I don't think he would be the eighth man in the rotation. He would no, 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 no. And yeah, I, like right. one of the eight that's in the main rotation. Yes, right, exactly. right. So I, I think that is without a doubt the biggest debate right now. If you went into a room with 10 KU fans and you just, it's basically like tossing in a grenade. If you just lob in the conversation, hey, who do you think is going to start? KJ Adams or Mackenzie Mbako? And five of the people in the room are going to fight the other five people in the room about <laughs> why it's this or that. It is like a very adamant conversation right now among KU fans. Um, because here's the thing, like, it's very, very rare. Like, it is a very, very small list of players in the Bill Self era that have gone from being full-time starters one year to then the next year not being that guy. Like, I, I think Sasha Khan did it heading into the title year, mm. but that was even partially, like, he even went up to Coach Self and was like, hey, I think it'd be better for the team if Darnell Jackson came in and was a starter. Um, I think it happened with Brady Morningstar. I could be wrong on that. It's a very short list. I, I still have to go through and uh, actually deep dive into – you know, some of the past examples of that, but like it's, it like never happens at the same point in time. This is such a weird scenario where last year KJ Adams started because you, you didn't have uh, enough guys who were ready at the five. Now he's kind of transitioning back to his more uh, what is thought of as a natural position as being kind of a foreman. And I, I think the idea there is, you know, he, he came in and they thought he was going to be kind of a Mark vital type. Now we've heard this comparison from in the program. He's kind of a Draymond green type or whatever. And, like, I guess you view it and, um, you know, Draymond Green's playing next to Kevon Looney and Mark Vidal was playing next to a, a true center at Baylor and they, they made it work. So it's not the, the easiest fit in the world, but having Hunter Dickinson, who shot 42% from three last year on limited attempts, helps you to pair those two together to where maybe it becomes a more reasonable thing, right? If Nick Timberlake is starting at the three, if they're moving toward more of a lineup this year, which based on the personnel they will, playing two small guards or even three small guards – along the wing as opposed to what they've done the past couple of years with playing, you know, three big wings at the two through four spot. It, it, I guess, gives you a better opportunity to start KJ there. So 
the track record has not been there for Bill Self, and he seems to love K.J. Adams. He trusts K.J. Adams, which is so important. We've seen other freshmen come in to, to KU and Bill Self. I mean, shoot, just look at M.J. Rice last year, and, uh, and Baco has a you know higher profile, higher rankings than what M.J. Rice had, but that just didn't work out. He couldn't crack the rotation. So if I'm leaning right now, I would lean that K.J. Adams starts the season I heck, I, I even wouldn't be surprised if both of them end up starting. Like, what if you started Mbako at the three? I was just going to ask, yeah. Four? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it would be kind of similar to what Duke started with last year when Mark Mitchell was at the three. Eventually, though, Duke found out it's better if Mark Mitchell's the four and if maybe Kyle Filipowski's in at the five. And I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happens with Kansas, right? KJ Adams starts the year. What if eventually you realize it's better to have Timberlake at the three and Mbako at the four? And, and I think the big thing, no matter what, there's going to be enough minutes for both KJ and Mbako to get 20, 25, even 30 minutes a game that it'll probably be close enough either way. But yeah, it is, it is a big debate right now who that guy would be. Well, it is a good problem to have, to have such talent on, on this roster that you got to even have this conversation, but a problem that you do have to figure out if you're Bill Self, how do you manage this? I was right with you tracking with that. Like, I feel like at some point you might as well try Mbako at the three and see if that could work out. Like Timberlake at the two, Mbako three, KJ four with Dewan Harris running the show. Come on, man. That could be insane. But then you got all these other dudes too. So we'll see how this all unfurls. If. And only if McKenzie Mbako picks Kansas over Indiana. And so, Derek, that is my last question to you. When you lay your head on the pillow on Friday night, will you be happy because this man's going to be playing in Fog Allen Fieldhouse for his probably one year of college, or are you going to be sad because he's going to be wearing those candy-striped warm-up pants in Bloomington, Indiana? I feel very good that Kansas has a great shot here. I think they've set themselves up well. I do think it's funny that you're talking about a kid who was committed to Duke, Nike school. A lot of times you think, oh, they're going to stay in that shoe brand. Ends up all the like Adidas schools basically <laughs> with you know Louisville before the visit didn't happen, Indiana and, and Kansas. But um, I think Kansas has put them in a, in a very good spot here. I, I think the, the only thing that maybe goes his way the other way is he says, yeah, I want to be like, uh, more of like at Kansas, you're going to have to compete for that starting spot. And Indiana feels like you would be a, a higher up option on there. Um, but I, I think Kansas is in a great spot. I, if you know, I'm just making the assumption that he is going to be a Jayhawk, but you never know because recruiting is wacky and wild. It really is. If he comes to Kansas, I got to tell you, they got to shoot right up to my top of the list as a national champion favorite for next season. Here in just a second, though, we're going to be talking to the host of Locked on Hoosiers, Jacob Rude, and I've got a feeling he's going to give me a different answer than my man Derek just said. We're going to look at the Indiana angle on that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. If you're like me and you're trying to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs, which are so healthy that you'll be surprised that they do taste amazing as well. What makes them so good? Well, these bars and puffs are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They come in amazing flavors, things like churro and peanut butter brownie. Beyond that, while they're so tasty, Built's able to still maintain amazing macros, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. And perhaps best of all, now you don't have to wait for your order to come to your door from Built.com. You can just run right on down to your local Walmart 
or Sam's Club and get yourself a box. Maybe it's one of those big variety boxes, and then you can enjoy all the Built Bars and Puffs you want. Built, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Well, we just looked at the Kansas side of the McKenzie Mbaco news. Now we want to turn our attention to Bloomington, Indiana, where the Hoosiers are anxiously awaiting the news from McKenzie Mbaco tomorrow on Friday. We know, obviously, that Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Huchifino are gone off to the NBA draft. Tamar Bates is off to uh, Missouri. I almost said Miami because Anthony Walker comes in from Miami, as does Kalel Ware from Oregon. So quite a bit of movement from the Indiana Hoosiers and Mike Woodson's team. Here to help me unpack it all, talk about it, figure it out, is the host of Locked On Hoosiers, our good man, Jacob Rude, who, by the way, as we record this, he also covers the Lakers, and we're like an hour away from tip-off <laughs> in Game 5. So he is very graciously joining us in the midst of all that. Jacob, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us. Let me ask it to you this way. What would Mackenzie Mbaco coming to Indiana mean for Mike Woodson's team? It's huge. I, I, I typically someone that kind of downplays a lot of these types of things and that uh, they don't always mean a lot. Uh, if a, a big loss doesn't always mean anything, stuff like that. I, I try to keep kind of a level head, but uh, <laughs> this one is a big one. <laughs> this one, it came out of nowhere. And uh, I use kind of had a history of this. They got Tamar Bates to commit late in the cycle. They got Malik Renew last year to commit late. Uh, this one is a month later than that even, but, um, he checks so many boxes for what IU needs. As you were kind of saying, I used had a pretty big roster turnover trace, Jalen hood, Shafina race, Thompson, Miller cop. That's four of the starters gone from last year's team. They have brought in Kalel Ware, they have brought in some guys, but there's still some holes to be filled specifically a pretty big hole for a forward on the perimeter which is pretty much exactly what McKenzie Mbaco is. So uh, he he checks so many boxes for IU. It, it would be absolutely huge for the Hoosiers to get this one. So um, this is a this is a really big one that again a week two weeks ago we didn't even know was a thing. <laughs> and and Jacob, that's what's kind of taken me back. You and I were talking before we hopped on. I I really thought as recently as early this week. Um, that it was looking like, you know, maybe Kansas, maybe Louisville, maybe even the yep. pro route. And then here comes Indiana. Do you, do you have any insight as into why this might have happened so quickly for the Hoosiers? Yeah, not really. I mean, this has been a really tight-lipped recruitment. Like from the moment he decommitted from Duke, it was, well, a lot of people have reached out to him. And then it was just <laughs> complete radio silence for quite a while until it got down to a final – five final four i can't remember how many it was but regardless it's been pretty tight-lipped i would say the hoosiers have swung and missed on a number of people in the transfer portal and they got to a position where um there aren't a lot of options left and in this specific scenario it might have helped them because this is such a, a unique recruitment being so late in the cycle that there aren't a lot of top schools that have this kind of opening in the roster where we can say, look, you come to Bloomington, you're going to start. You're going to be featured prominently on this team. That isn't something a lot of programs can offer. So 
the Hoosiers kind of got lucky with how things shook out. I, I'm sure they didn't feel that way as we're missing out on uh, so many guys at Dalton Connect and Chris Ledlam and all these guys that, I mean, ironically kept going to Tennessee. Uh, the, <laughs> the Hoosiers and, and IU fans were worried, but ultimately I would guess that that might have helped them because in this scenario we can go to someone like Mbako and say, look, you can be a prominent part of this team next season and we're a program that is sending guys to the NBA now as well. So it has what he would want ideally. And I, you got a little bit fortunate in this one, I think. Indeed. That's great news. Hey, nothing. Uh, you'd rather luck into it and have him than play it well yeah. and not have him at the end of the day. So better, better to be lucky than good. Sometimes that's absolutely correct. Jacob Rude. So here, here's the question. You talked about him playing a prominent role. Having seen now a couple of years of the Hoosiers under Mike Woodson, what type of role do you project Mbaka would have if he came to Indiana? Well, the irony of that is, is it's going to be a completely new offense next season. Uh, Mike Woodson kind of used the pieces he had with Trace Jackson Davis, with Race Thompson, uh, Miller Cop. He, he was kind of, that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wants to play a more up-tempo um, style with a lot of athletes on the floor. Ironically, he wants to – I think it, it would look something similar to what Miami did last season, and that's the example I kind of keep using because Miami beat IU. But it's kind of spread the floor, get some athletes, get guys that can create for themselves, create for others, things like that. So Mbaka would play that type of role as just – a guy that can knock down shots from the outside. That's something that plagued Indiana badly last season. He can score in the mid range. He can create for himself. He can, he's a, a, a great athlete. Just, he looks like a physical specimen, uh, which will Smooth. help. Boy, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, that'll help playing in the big 10. So that, <laughs> that he will, he'll slot right in and be able, I think to play, the type of offense Mike Woodson is going to want to play a specific role though. We're not really sure because this is kind of, it's going to be a really interesting offense if we get him, because you're mixing in a Kalel Ware, who's a very unique type of talent as well. You're bringing back Xavier Johnson. It, there's a lot of pieces that are joining that didn't play together last season. That's what happens when you uh, replace four guys in the starting lineup and you, bring in you know three four different transfers so it's going to be really interesting to see uh what this team looks like but on paper and kind of what we've heard and pieced together Mbako being a player that can create for himself knock down outside shots that's exactly what Indiana wants the offense to look like man would be a great get we hope that Xavier Johnson will be back fully healthy hated how things played out for him this season last thing Jacob I need you to make a prediction for me. When you go to bed on Friday evening, you will be having sweet dreams because Mackenzie Mbako is going to be wearing those candy-striped pants next season, or you're going to be having nightmares because you're going to have to watch him suit up for Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Which is it? Uh, he'll be in Assembly Hall regardless next season. Kansas comes <laughs> to Assembly Hall. so Well played. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I can cop out that one, but – I'll be optimistic on this one. I mean, for the reasons I said earlier, Indiana's in a really <laughs> unique spot where they can offer him a very prominent role. And while understanding he'll he'll probably be a one and done and going pro. And 
I think it helps that they just had Jalen Hood Shafino right. go I one agree. and done, and that he wasn't someone that was anticipated to be a one and done. So I think that helps a lot. I'll be optimistic on this one and say that he'll he'll end up wearing those candy stripes on, on Friday. I love it. We will find out whether it's going to be you or the host of Locked On Jayhawks, Derek <laughs> Johnson, who's happy. Maybe we could have a little uh, Locked On feud coming at you. Well. <laughs> We learned on Wednesday that Bob Huggins uh, has certain punishments levied at him by West Virginia. We're going to talk about those. Plus, Tennessee might have gotten some of those guys Indiana wanted, but they're losing Julian Phillips to the transfer portal. All that coming up in just a second. On yesterday's show, my co-host Andy Patton and frequent contributor and friend of the program, Leif Tulin, discussed at that point what were the beginnings of all the news about Bob Huggins in terms of punishments at West Virginia. At that point, we didn't quite have everything out. We knew some of the beginnings. We knew he would be suspended. We didn't know how long. We knew that there was a financial uh, amount of money he would be losing off of salaries, things of that nature. Since then, though, we have learned the fullness of Bob Huggins' punishment, and that came via a statement from West Virginia's president, Gordon, I'm not sure if it's G or Gee, G-E-E, as well as their AD, Ren Baker, and also Coach Huggins himself made a statement as part of that. And then it was also posted, Coach Huggins' part of the statement, to West Virginia's men's basketball page. I'll just go ahead and say, even before I tell you what these punishments are, I just don't think it's far enough. And a lot of that is the context of it. The words said, bad enough on its own. But the way in which they were so just casually said makes it clearly and plainly obvious to me that this is not a one-time offense. This, this is language that clearly Coach Huggins uses on a regular basis. And so because of that, I think that there needs to be a further step from the University of West Virginia. That's just my opinion, and we're all entitled to what, you know, we can think however we want to think, but we know what the punishments are, and they are as follows, if you haven't already seen it. This is officially from the University of West Virginia. Again, the president and the AD. Coach Huggins will serve a three-game suspension. He will have a salary reduction of $1 million. The way they'll do that, this is a quote, quote, his current employment contract will be amended from a multi-year agreement to a year-by-year -year agreement that will begin on May 10th, 2023 and end on April 30th, 2024. Uh, I said May 10th, excuse me, I meant May 1st. A uh, little extra zero in there in my notes. I apologize for that. So that's how they'll handle this salary reduction, changing it to a year-by-year -year thing, bringing a $1 million cut out of that every year as well as any future incidents result in immediate termination and me, whatever. I don't even know if that applies here because shame on twice is full. Anyway, whatever. If this happens again, coach Huggins will in fact be terminated. And so all of this kind of means what, like you start looking at West Virginia's schedule, at least what we know of it. And it appears to mean that coach Huggins will return for the Fort Myers tip off down in Florida, which is on November 20th, at least when it starts. Um, and then he will be back in the fold on December 1st as well for when West Virginia plays St. John's in the big East big 12 challenge uh, battle, I guess I should say. 
And that's intriguing because it's two of the winningest college basketball coaches of all time in Bob Huggins and Rick Pitino, obviously. So again, three game suspension. I, I don't know what kind of number you put on this. I, you know, I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes of like, all right, so here's what we're looking at. And this adds up to three games, but I can't say that it just doesn't feel strong enough. It feels like if you're not going to take the step to fire him, is it, is it as full as a year suspension? Is it half the season? Maybe the, maybe those are too strong, but, but maybe not at, at least, you know, five to 10 games, uh, for some of those games missed to be big 12 games, not just non-conference games, right? Like th- there has to be more teeth to this. Um, but also by the way, uh, the statement said that coach Huggins will be making us a, a significant donation to Xavier University to support its Center for Faith and Justice and its Center for Diversity and Inclusion. So that that's where it's at. Uh, again, I just don't feel like it's far enough. There's there's levels to things like this. And as Andy and Leaf said yesterday, his nonchalant of what a uh, way of saying what he said is worrisome. I don't know that you can just slap a three game suspension on that and say he's healed. Right. Um, it just is what, it, I mean, the, the financial punishment is potatoes. It's beans to someone of his stature. So you can't just the small suspension, the small uh, financial ding, some sensitivity, some sensitivity training, and then call it good. And something that gives me pause too is if there is indeed any way in which this decision was made by the university because of the stature of the coach or because of the roster and everything that's coming in the transfer portal, um, which obviously the university would never admit to that, then that's another issue. If that is a thing, right? Like I, I don't care if you're the CEO of a company or the lowliest janitor, we need to be held to a, a similar standard. And so that's where that is. Now, what kind of ramifications is this going to have on the roster? That's a great question. Um, for all we know, there is a young man on the roster who um, lives his life in, in the way that Coach Huggins disparaged. If so, there's going to be a lot of that conversation that has to go on. Uh, for anyone who watches Ted Lasso, this week's episode of Ted Lasso was all about that and how you handle things like this in the locker room. Um and so it, it is a very timely conversation and one that we may not never know everything that goes on in the West Virginia locker room surrounding this, but it is a big deal. Um, as of the time of this recording, uh, there have been no transfers out of the program because of what's happened, at, at least that we know of. And so that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on is does West Virginia lose anyone to the transfer portal because of this? We shall see. It wouldn't shock me. And we wait to see if there's any more news on this. I'm sure it will be part of the news cycle for a while. Well, friends, uh, just quickly skirting past it because we are short on time. But we also learned on Wednesday that rising Tennessee sophomore Julian Phillips intends also to enter the transfer portal. This is a big blow for Tennessee losing a key cog and, and one of and not one of their most dynamic um, freshman last season. I know he suffered some injury time, but um, anyway, Phillips will be a big get for someone who is looking for 
a, a win in the transfer portal late in the game. One more reminder, the transfer portal closes tonight, Thursday at 11.59, essentially Eastern time. We should know things by about it by Friday, and then we will record Friday's show in the afternoon on Friday and get it out to you as quickly as we can. Now, keep in mind also, transfers can still trickle in to programs. It's just you can't go out anymore. All right, friends, thanks so much for making Locked on College Basketball your first listen every day. You everydayers, as I just said, make sure you check in with me and Kyle Boone tomorrow. Leave us a review review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and comment on the show. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, peace.